Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Okay, tonight we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we looked at Jehoshaphat last week, King Jehoshaphat, who came to power about 60 years after Solomon had passed away. And he's a fantastic king. His dad Asa was a good king. Jehoshaphat's a great king. And he takes up four chapters in 2 Chronicles. So we get him again tonight. And we get this text about this great conflict that came against him and how he handled it and the things that we can learn for us tonight in our own lives from it. So in the background of Jehoshaphat there in chapter 20 is that he had set up you know, the regional judges to do justice and be faithful and diligent with the Lord in every village of Judah. No one had ever done that prior or after. He set up these great judges that centralized in Jerusalem to really lead the government and guide the people. There's just been incredible reform. It's a revival for the people of covenant, spiritually, politically, and I'm sure probably economically as well. They're doing great. They're thriving. If ever there was an administration of human government that would have been under the blessings of the Lord, it is definitely Jehoshaphat. He lined himself up and the people he led to really be in full blessings because of Decisions he made personally and on behalf of the people. Phenomenal leader, as good as Hezekiah and Josiah, maybe actually even greater. He's was compared to David, and that's what we need to know. That's how great he was. But in this zenith of his reign, this coalition of people came against him, the Ammonites and others, and they were a great force, a massive army, one that even Jehoshaphat recognized he had no chance to withstand Militarily, So it was quite disturbing. So the first four verses of chapter 20 is recognizes great multitudes coming against them and that he sets himself to seek the Lord. It says he was fearful and he set himself to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast, called the people to seek the Lord together, and they all came together. Then in verses 5 through 12, he prayed to the Lord in front of the people. They really gave the problem to the Lord as a nation as a total entity of who they were, and they gave it to the Lord and reminded the Lord of his promises to them and the history that they had before him in being faithful to him at this point. Then in verse 13, God responded to them. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of those present, and he prophesied that the battle is not man's, but the battle is the Lord's, and not to be afraid nor dismayed. In fact, that phrase pops up twice in that segment of Scripture. So very comforting words were spoken. In fact, the Lord actually said to the prophet to watch, to stand, and see the salvation of what God would provide for them. Now, that's happened before in the Old Testament, but here it is again where that term, that, that sequence, that count, that those dominoes lined up to watch, stand, and see the victory and the salvation of the Lord. But the exhortation not to be afraid or dismayed popped up twice. So once that prophecy was spoken, then Jehoshaphat fell on his face and bowed before the Lord and 
everyone went back to their tents for that night. And the next day is the day of battle, which brings us to our text tonight. We're going to pick it up in verse 20, coming forward on the story, and this is what we read. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. But when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army, they were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah. And they were defeated, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away, and they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day, that is the Valley of Blessing. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And so they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Joseph had such a contrast to so many kings when you hear in the latter years they made bad decisions like Solomon and God chasing them on the back end. Here, you know, after this we read about his business deals that he shouldn't have made, but he learned from them when you harmonize kings with chronicles. So that's not really a main event, but this is a main event. Now, as we've been going through the historical books, we've seen lots of battles. These are God's people. They have perpetual enemies. And it's just ongoing conflict from generation to generation. And this was the one that came in the time for Jehoshaphat. It came when he was, had made really good decisions with the Lord. As I mentioned, he's probably made more good decisions than any king before him, equal only to David. Great decisions. In his personal life and in his calling politically, he's really set himself up to be blessed by the Lord. And we would just add to that, if you do those things in your own personal life, where you set yourself up to grow and be mature in the Lord, and you make good decisions in your calling with the Lord, when a multitude comes against you, you're going to feel stronger on that day. I mentioned Tuesday night, and I say again tonight, when you're walking in the right way with the Lord and the difficult day comes it's just so much better that you're found on the rock of faith and obedience when that day comes. In 35 years of being a pastor, I've seen profoundly the difference between people who are on the rock when the multitude comes against them and those, in spite of faith, but faith that never developed, have built upon a life upon the sand. And when the multitude comes against them, they don't have 
the same confidence. Nonetheless, through personal faith in Jesus Christ, we can gain confidence quickly. But it's so much better to have a a reserve deposit that you can pull from of faith and God's your own obedience and good decisions and pull from all that compound effect of walking with the Lord, good decisions, how you treated people, all that you sowed and how you were. When a multitude comes against you, you're just going to feel stronger about it. Because again, ministering in many situations where people don't feel that way, it's a lot harder as the voice of the Lord as a pastor to build up their confidence on the difficult day because in their hearts, their own conscience convicts them and condemns them that they have not prepared properly for that day. Nonetheless, even when Peter was drowning, the Lord reached out and pulled him out of the water from drowning. But you just feel a whole lot better when a multitude comes against you that you've that you're, you're going in a good way. You just feel better about it. You don't have to wonder, like, is this a chastening? Like, if you're walking good and things happen, like the multitude comes against you, it, it just gives you strength to fall back on your good decisions. If you have financial problems and you've been diligent in how you manage your money and sowing bountifully for the kingdom with your time and your energy and you're a generous person, you know, and it starts happening where finances, just one economic problem after another, You'll just feel better when you have a track record that you've put the Lord first with your finances. Trust me, it's true. And there's something to be said for that. But we know that life gives us seasons. And there's just times, no matter how good you're living, a multitude will come against you. In fact, I would say, if you're living right, there will be many times when a multitude comes against you. People are envious of other people who God has blessed. People in the church are envious of other people in the church that God has blessed. People in the world are envious of people in the church that God has blessed. People are people and they can be envious and they they can just not like you. Years ago at Calvary Costa Mesa, just one of those things that just randomly stood out to me when Pastor Chuck Smith mentioned that some people just don't like you without a reason. He was going through this list that, you know, some people don't like attractive people. Some people don't like unattractive people. And he was going through this whole list of some people don't like women. Some people don't like men. He was just going through this list. And he says, you know, and some people, they just don't like you. And I have to say, I was probably in my late 40s when he said that. And that thought never crossed my mind. I thought, doesn't everyone like me? <laughs> you know, I'm just being facetious. But, you know, like, 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 why would you just not like somebody? But you find it's true. It is true. So all the good living in the world doesn't guarantee you that you won't have a bad day. In fact, it probably sets you up for people coming against you. And so it was with Jehoshaphat. What a test of faith. And it says he was fearful. You read it, but, or I reviewed it for you, but he, he had a good foundation. This morning when they woke up, verse 20, they arose early in the morning. And the dawn always comes, doesn't it? I often tell people, when I'm doing a memorial for someone they love, that I'd say, you know, I'll, I'll note the date. I'll say, like, oh, hey, you know, it's July 29th. And I said, you know, you've lived 30 years. You've lived 20 years bearing a parent or, you know, something like that, or a, love, you know, a spouse or something. You've lived 45 years. And I said, you know, 45 years with a calendar and a day planner. And, you know, 45 years, July 29th came and went, and it never meant anything to you on the calendar. And I said, but on this day, it is the day of sorrow. It's a day of, you have to, the day of reckoning. You, you're, you're putting someone you love, you're doing, 
You're putting your loved one in the grave. Now, that's a difficult day. There's days that are like a wedding where I'm like, hey, you know what? March 12th, that's, you know, 35 years I've been married. There was no day like March 12th, 1988. Now, that was that day. And I'd lived for 26 years, and March 12th looked like this. But after I got married, it looked like that. The day took on significance. If you're being called in before your boss is in, your boss and falsely accused, that day will cost you a good night's sleep, right? We all know what that's like in the human experience to lose sleep and turmoil over some pending conflict at work, some accusation. Maybe you were negligent in something, but it was blown up a different way or falsely accused or it's your last day at work. You're packing up the cubicle. It's all going to go in a box. You're going to walk out that day. I mean, it's, it's the day of layoffs. It's the last day you're going to do the, it's the last day that, Your business is going to be open. Nothing stays the same. Everything is always in motion. Life is seasons. That's why the bird song to everything turn, turn was number one and so popular in the 60s. It's from Ecclesiastes. Your kids grow up and they move away. They make good decisions. They make bad decisions. Life is just season after season And then there's a final season. But it's spring, summer, fall, winter. It's light, it's darkness. The night never lasts forever, and no season ever lasts forever, but they come and go in waves. And it's a human experience, and before you know it, you're in eternity, the eternal season. What a test here on this day. One can only imagine how they felt when they woke up. This massive multitude coming against their king, coming against them, coming for their houses, coming for their wealth, coming for their income, coming for everything that was theirs that God had given them. It's a day at court. It's maybe it's a civil suit being resolved that day. The jury's got a verdict, you know. They're going to make, it's going down. You can't live 80 80 years and not see this day. You just can't. And you usually see it within 20 And then you'll just see it in the sequences of the human experience. What an amazing phrase. They rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness to face their greatest fear ever up to that day. Whatever date this was on the Jewish calendar, when they woke up that morning, they were facing their greatest fear they'd ever faced up to that day collectively. The whole nation, the wealth, their existence, it all hung in the balance. And all they could stand on that day was not their military strength, their economic strength, or even their love for one another. All they could stand on was the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. I am that I am, the burning bush, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what they had. Man, you know, I don't know how they even slept that night. But they had a promise that no matter what they saw that morning when they woke up, they had to go out and they had to control their emotions. They had to define the circumstances instead of the circumstances define them. They had to control their emotions. And they had to believe, watch, stand, and see their salvation. They could do nothing for it. What an amazing story. And it's quite terrifying just to even think about being in that position. But we can relate it to personal things in our lives. I think we can. 
I've had some mornings I've had to wake up early that have just been gut-wrenching in my human experience, as have you. Yes and amen. Do you know this morning? A loved one's going to pass. Four years ago, December 28th, 2019, just a few days after Christmas, in a hospital room waiting for my mom to pass, I went to bed by her side, knowing that the next day, which was now the next day because it was like three in the morning, her spirit would pass and go to, into eternity. And sure enough, that's what happened. There was nothing I could do to stop that day. My sister was there. Cousin Jimmy didn't want to see that moment, but Cousin Jimmy randomly showed up and walked in the room right when it happened. He had to see his grandmother step into eternity on that day. My brother was late. He was coming down from Ventura. He missed it (laughs) by two hours. There's mornings that you got to wake up early and you got to face things that pierce bone and marrow, soul and spirit. But we have to live and we have to go forward, always forward with Jesus Christ. And we have to face them. And, you know, the the beauty of the human experience is that other humans have lived it. And God has been faithful to them in every generation as he's faithful to us in our generation. So if you are in fear of losing it all or whatever the day could bring, just know it's just part of the journey. And you, you rise up in the morning and you go forward in the promises and the person of God to face it. Which brings us to this day of victory because this day was like that day at court, was like my mom stepping into eternity, like all these things that we face that can be so uh, piercing of soul, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. But in this day, they rose up early and they had to face it. And we got to go forward, just like David going toward Goliath. We just got to go right toward it and face it, body of Christ, WG. It is, but it was the day of victory because when our life belongs to the Lord, it's going to always be the day of victory. And this was the day of victory for them. From fear and a numerous multitude coming against them to destroy everything that was their identity in the human experience, it would become the day of victory, which is exactly, of course, what Jesus Christ does for us because he is the victory. Christ is our victory, and he's the victor over all things. Jehoshaphat said, Believe in the Lord God and believe in the words of his prophets. So when we face this day, the first thing we see is we need to believe in God himself. To have our eyes set upon him, looking unto Jesus. To fix our eyes on God that day. The one who owns the universe, by whom and through whom are all things. In him all things are held together and consist. When we face this day, we, we need to... We need to believe. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Isn't believing the whole crux of all of the entire human experience of time, space, and matter? If Adam and Eve believed about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they needed to believe the revelation of God. And then Christ called people to himself and he says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Like, Believing is everything, but there's such a mystery to it, isn't it? 
Remember when the, the man's son was demon-possessed and, and, and Jesus said, do you believe? He goes, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like sometimes we feel we have great faith and sometimes we feel like, oh no, it's all going to unravel right now. I'm sure you can relate to that. You can feel so strong on one day to face these things. And the next day, you, you know, the feelings may not be as strong, but God never changes who he is, what he's done, where he's at, what he's promised, and what he's going to do. That's why the peace of God that surpasses all understanding surpasses all understanding. Sometimes you understand the peace, like, I have a peace about this. Other times, it's complete chaos. You're in the eye of the storm of a Category 5 human experience, and you're not feeling the peace at all. In fact, debris flying all around you. But still, he promises peace. Believing is the cornerstone and the foundation of everything in our experience. That our eyes are fixed on Jesus, particularly on a day like this, in what was the valley of victory, which became the valley of blessing, but really the day before, it was the valley of death. It was, it was the valley of fear because they were fearful, and God told them not to be fearful. So it had been in the human experience from human perspective, the valley of fear, but through the prophet, God made it the valley of victory. And when it was all said and done, they called it the valley of blessing. And isn't that what God does with every experience in our life? No matter how long the winter, no matter how dark the night, when there's faith in Jesus, he turns it into victory and blessing for good. They had to believe in his person and his promises, to believe in his person who God is and his promises. We talked last week about the fear, of the, the, the fear of God and that the fear of the Lord. And what really starts out with fear and reverence for like the day of accountability and judgment, when we, when we accept the Lord and we grow in Christ, it moves from that fear to love and really respect and honor and love and having a loving relationship because we love him because he first loved us. Jesus is our friend. He calls us friends. God loves us. He's for us. And he works all things together for good to those who love him. And so we can, we can face this day and we can believe, and our belief may feel strong, our belief may feel weak, but the more you invest, the more we invest in our daily lives of reading the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the more we allow the Lord to be a part of our life on a daily basis, in our decisions, in our conversations, the more we respond to the Spirit in, in just everyday human horizontal relationships when the Lord's like saying, don't say that, and then you don't say that. You set yourself up to grow in the Lord and in that relationship with the Lord. And when he says, speak up and say this, and you do, you grow in your faith. So again, you, our faith gets stronger because we're hearing the truth and then we're becoming the truth. And on this day, in the valley of fear that becomes the valley of victory, when we wake up and face this day, we need to look in the mirror and say, I believe. I believe. You know, I talk about high school pep rallies and football games and stuff where they, we believe that we will win, and then the other team, would, they'd be saying it back and forth. Like, on this day when you wake up, I'm like, I believe you have won, and we're coming from victory. 
And whatever is going to happen this day, it's going to pass through the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. And he promised through the prophets yesterday, the prophet yesterday, that stand and watch and see the salvation of our God. That is not subject to emotions, and you have to make emotions subject to it. You need to take truth and the person and the work of Christ and make every emotion that would come against faith and make it subject to that. Truth makes emotions subject. Unfortunately, many people let emotions make truth subject to them. So believe in who he is, his goodness. God is good. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. God is good all the time. And believe in his word because all the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. Okay? So that's how we're going to face that day. That's how we're going to be. We're going we're gonna to frame it in faith. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.